What's up, everybody? This is Max Cavalera, Soulfly, Cavalera Conspiracy. You listen to Iron City Rocks. Hey, guys, this is Marco Mendoza with Ben Lissy, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Mark Anthony from The Letter Black, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is David Ellison from Megadeth, and you are here with Iron City Rocks. Hello and welcome to episode 156 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I am your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast brings you the best hard rock, heavy metal, and blues interviews, music, tunes, and uh, with just a flair of Pittsburgh. So, even if you're not from Pittsburgh, we welcome you. If you're from Pittsburgh, how yin's doing? So, before we go any further, I want to give you an idea of what's going on the show today. We have got joining us from the band Megadeth. David Ellison. David, as you know, was on the uh, podcast not all that long ago talking about a book he was doing. Uh, we have him back on the show. They were just in town last week with Rob Zombie playing Stage AE for a killer night of music. And before I forget, if you go to ironcityrocks.com, we have a boatload of photos uh, that both myself and Sean, uh, who's been on the show as well, have had taken at the show we have the great pictures of lacuna coil megadeth and rob zombie and for those of you who have not seen rob zombie or have kind of dismissed rob zombie is not metal enough think again wow i can't say enough about rob zombie's live performance so really really a great night so we caught up with dave prior to the show uh we did an interview and we're going to get into that in just a moment also joining us on the show to talk about their new album fear factory vocalist Burton C. Bell, so we will get to that interview in just a little bit. So let's sit back and listen to the latest single from Megadeth from the album 13. This is Megadeth with Whose Life Is It Anyway? And then we'll talk to Dave. Stage AE. David, how you doing? Doing good, man. Looking forward to the show tonight. Cool venue and sandwiched yeah. in between a couple of big stadiums, so it's uh, yeah. You feel the enormity of Pittsburgh, which is nice. Yeah, it is kind of it's kind of daunting. You look out at the uh, the back of the stage there, and you've got Heinz Field right there as the backdrop. So it is a nice place. 
How's it, how's it been going for the tour with Rob and Lacuna Coil so far? It's been really cool. I mean, Lacuna Coil, they're kind of like our, our neighbors now, you know, because yeah. we just did Gigantor with them, and um, so it's great to have them back out doing shows with us. Mm-hmm. We've done shows with Rob before. I remember back, I think it was on the Risk album in 1999. Oh, okay. Going back a We did a, yeah, we did a show, a radio show up in Portland together, okay. and that was right, right when he was really, really rising up, you know, and, and he was fantastic, so... We kind of knew what the bill was going to be like, and it's it's cool because it's two totally different, well, three totally different bands, really, yeah. Lacuna Coil, um, which to me gives the fans a lot of bang for their buck and makes for a fun night out. Yeah, it does. I was I was just going to ask you that: is there a big cross section? Do you see people uh, who are into both bands? I mean, is, I mean, I know as a fan, I am, but I mean, is yeah, that the majority. I, I mean, I think that, um, you know, if you're a metal fan, you probably like all three bands, you yeah. know. Um, Lacuna Coil, obviously, you know, with Christina, you know, the female voice, you know, she's one of only a few who really pull that off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Megadeth, of course, you know, people know what they're going to get with us. Um, and Rob Zombie is, is very theatrical. Sure. You know? So I think you've got a really three different bands. and You know, anymore, I, I hate these these tours, you know, I usually don't even go see them anymore. <laughs> if it's kind of all the same genre together. Yeah. You know, we pulled it off with the big four because we've been Good around thing. long enough that every band has really carved out its own style. Yeah. Even though we all came from the origins of Thrash, we've all really evolved into our own individual uniqueness, you know. Um, but again, you know, that that's something that takes time to do, you know. A yeah. lot of when you, when you just put a lot of younger bands together, they're all very genre-specific, and, it, and it, it's cool for some fans, of course, but yeah, you've got for me be, personally, I like the diversity. Yeah, you need to be into a genre, and I think uh, you and I are both of age where you remember when tours were different. You had Grand Funk Railroad with Kiss and things like that. And right. I miss them. I really do, you know, and I think in the 80s that kind of went away, you know, yeah. for yeah. better or worse, so... Um, as far as the set list, are you guys just doing uh, kind of heavy on 13? Or are you doing a nice mix of stuff? No, I think we're doing a pretty good mix. I mean, we're playing, I think, 70 minutes with Rob. as <laughs> co-headliner, so he plays 70 and we play 70. So um, doesn't give a lot of time to get real wide into the catalog, you know. But, yeah, we definitely try to promote some of the songs off of... Uh, off of 13, we actually just put Never Dead in the set, okay. which has been one of my favorite songs from the minute Dave played the riff. I loved it. It's To me, it kind of reminds me of that riff is reminiscent of like Black Friday or something. Yeah. You know, and uh, so I'm glad we have that in the set. <clears throat> also gives us a little bit of a theatrical production on that. Um, and uh, of course, Whose Life is the latest single that just came out of the video. We did a lyric video for it, which yeah. is really very, very cool looking. It's yeah. amazing with the, what can be done with those, you know, with computer animations and things like yeah. that. It really, I mean, it looks like something off the X-Men or something, and it's, yeah. and yet it was a really, you know, we didn't even have to participate in it, you know. Yeah. It, was, it was nice. It was cool to be able to get a video. And then, of course, Public Enemy Number 1 was the first single yeah. off the record. Yeah. Is there, is there any Black Swans in the set? It's not. And, you know, it's funny. <laughs> me and Sean love that song. Yeah, same, same with Chris. You know, I think the three of us, we love it. And it's, you know, at some point... Um, you have to lobby it. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, at some point, you can only play so many songs, you know what I mean? And, and you can't um, take these cells and things yeah. like that out of the list. When we headline, you know, on our own show, like last night, we played over in uh, Indianapolis, and we played Guns, Drugs, and Money, so we threw that in there. So, you know, we've got about four tunes off the new record that we throw in. Okay. We've got another one that we're kind of kicking around, but... Um, you know, it has to be the right setting. And, you know, from here on now, we've got about another 10 days of uh, with Rob 
and then we go to Europe and we do uh, festivals. Okay. And then maybe a couple of headlining shows, but for the most part, it's mostly all the big festivals. And you're doing a bunch of states in South America later on this year? Yeah, and then in September, we have a big South America um, tour that we're going to do. And that's uh, it's cool because that's going to be the 20th anniversary of Countdown yeah. Extinction. So oh, we're trying years. to really plan some really cool stuff around that. Um, and that's going to be a fun record to play. I, I love yeah. the album. I love the song. In fact, right before I came here to do this interview, me and Chris were back in the tuning room back there, just playing through some tunes. And for me, it's refreshing. I mean, for me, and, and but for Chris, I'm kind of road mapping. I'm going, okay, that's your solo. That's Dave's solo. Okay, you're going to need to play this part. Yeah. You know, so I'm kind of walking him through yeah. uh, uh, some of the arrangements. Which are there is fun. songs on that record you haven't played live before? Uh, Dave and I have not played. Um, I think the only one we might have played all of them at one point, but okay. I pretty, for Captive Honor was one that I just remember we never, you know, we played once if if yeah. at all. Uh, Psychotron we played a little bit back on the tour, right? Back in '92 and '93, um, and you know that's, you know, I guess that's oh, an architecture of aggression. I don't know. Again, maybe once or twice we mm-hmm. played that. So those three are the ones that we've really seldom ever touched. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you play those enough in the studio that it's kind of like riding a bike and you just kind of remember this? Pretty much. You have to go back yeah. and study I, it. I can remember mostly what it was, especially if we played them live. I can yeah. kind of come right back, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, This Was My Life was a song that we played back in 92 and 93 on the tour. Um, played it a lot, and just that kind of came back pretty quickly. There's one tricky little part in the middle that I'm kind of brain farting on a little bit. But, you know, sometimes yeah. I guess that's why they call it practice. You know, you yeah. go back and spend the time with it. Yeah, you don't have to cheat and get the tab book. They go back and remember. <laughs> I don't envy Chris. Having to go back and learn all this. Yeah, stuff. you know, fortunately, he's a uh, educated musician, sure. Know? So he uh, he's really good at that, and he does go to look at tab. And he, you know, it's funny because he can actually sit down and tab things out sometimes quicker than looking the tab up. You know, so if he's really in a bind on something, he'll go pull some tab down. But uh, for the most part, he's got a great ear, and um, he's as Johnny K, the producer on uh, Thirteen, said. You know, Chris is very capable of playing anything that's needed from him. Yeah, I remember even in Nevermore, I mean, it's a phenomenal talent, you know, so it's, it's great to see him come in the band. And um, You got to go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway yesterday? Oh, was that, that was great. I tell you, that was a career highlight, man. That was a once-in-a-lifetime experience to do that. I mean, I guess now we're kind of in with those guys, so I guess any time to- yeah, they come around and race, and you know we can kind of go hang with them. But to be at the Indianapolis 500, I mean that is the Grand Poobah, man. Yeah. That's the Super Bowl of all races, period. Yeah. And um, you know to be with the Team Penske, I mean it's a big operation. They race seven cars. They got three drivers out there, and uh, Elio, who's one of their main drivers, he's already won three, three of the races. So. And um, and uh, it was just dude, what a great hang, man. It was just yeah. so cool, I and mean, to feel that power. It is certainly different in person. I mean, would you just feel those cars ripping by you at 220 miles an hour, and that and that ferocious energy, and yeah. just man, it, it just gives you a whole new appreciation for how small we are. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's a lot. I know. I just went to my first live race a couple of months ago, and it's a lot like a concert almost because you feel it in your chest. Yeah. You know, when you're watching on TV, it's just like okay, they're going in circles or they're making some turns. Yeah. But see that in person is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Do you, um, I know over the past 
10 years or so, you've done a lot of other projects with Soulfly and things like that. Do you have any other of those things in the works? You know, no, I, I don't have anything in the works. I'm always writing, though. You know, I'm always writing lyrics. I'm always writing music. Yeah. Um, I'm always, I have some people that are sending me things that I collaborate with them over the okay. internet. You know, and once in a while, some people will send me a track and say, hey, can you put a bass part down on this? Which I'll do, you know. And sometimes it's kind of pro bono. It's for fun. It's a little bit yeah. of charity work. Yeah. You know, I get to make my living here with Megadeth so I can sometimes do some things like that, do some favors for some other people sure. and, and just for the fun of playing. Because I find as a musician, it's good to always be playing with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never, I don't think, a good idea to just lock yourself into one musical setting. Yeah. I think your chops get stale. I think your inspirations start to dwindle. Yeah. So I find playing with other people, even if it's just for fun, you know, running out just banging a couple of, you know, sitting in on a jam session or whatever it is, I just find that those things are always good to do just to keep the chops up. Now, as a band, is Megadeth right on the road? Or are you guys just, I mean, is there enough going on with all the other BS that's involved with touring to keep you guys busy? Uh, we, you know, we, we're, we're busy, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, by the time we get to the venue, we try to kind of lock into a regimen of, you know, and a routine of what we're doing as far as our musical warm-ups, our vocal warm-ups, get change, get on stage and go. You know, yeah. we try not to be at the venue too long because it can be a little bit of a burnout. Yeah. You know, some days it's different, especially if we have a lot of media and press that we do. But, um... For the most part, we like to kind of get in, get focused, and hit it, and then do the show get and out. get out. Get on the bus yeah. and get rolling. Now, I mean, do you, got, you guys are doing bus city to city yeah. with buses, so, I mean, do you guys ever noodle around when you're on the bus, or is it just... Not usually, you know, be, no, usually, you know, again, we get on the bus and we try to just get on and go to the next city, get off the bus, get into the hotels, that sleep. allows everybody to, yeah, I mean, we get a little bit of time away from each other, which is good, you know, yeah. when you're in closed confines all the time. Uh, we're all into health and working out and that kind of stuff, and yeah. you know, there's there's always phone, you know, interviews and media stuff that needs to be taken care yeah, of. Sometimes we do some of that at the hotel as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think that's about all I have for you. Excellent. Thank you. All right. The world's biggest heavy metal touring music festival is back. The Rockstar Energy Drink Mayhem Festival featuring Slipknot, Slayer, Motorhead. Anthrax and more Saturday, July 28th First Niagara Pavilion Tickets are on sale now Buy tickets at LiveNation.com Presented by the X at 105.9 All info at RockstarMayhemFest.com Alright, it's time for the Ring Report As many of you are aware And if you're not aware, I'll remind you Or educate you Iron City Rocks is part of the Cast Iron Ring Network of Podcasts Cast Iron Ring is available at castironring.com or you can go to facebook.com forward slash the cast iron ring. Like it over there. Keep abreast of all the things that are going on with all the shows. So what is the Cast Iron Ring? The Cast Iron Ring is a family of eight hard rock metal and music oriented podcasts. We have Focus on Metal. Our good buddies up in uh, Massachusetts uh, talk every week. Uh, they usually go about 90 minutes every week on uh, a variety of topics, mainly the classic metal, power metal, things like that. On uh, their latest episode, they're featuring a band called A Sound of Thunder, uh, which is a really cool band. They're a female-fronted band, uh, and you can learn everything you ever needed to know. We've got the Shockwave Skull Sessions and the Shockwaves Horror Radio, hosted by our pal Bob Now Bandian. Uh, just finished listening to uh, the latest Shockwaves Skull Sessions this morning. Actually, a discussion with a couple book authors, Martin Popoff uh, being one of them. 
Ian Christie was also on there as well, and Joel MacGyver. Uh, and they talk about a book uh, near the end of the interview uh, that was really interesting. It was a book that we had uh, on as well, featured on Iron City Rocks, called Murder in the Front Row. Uh, it's a book all about the San Francisco Bay thrash scene, so one to check out as well. Signal to Noise is uh, hosted by our co-host here at Iron City Rocks, Aaron. Uh, started uh, kind of a sister show. Signal to Noise, which is uh, a great resource and a great way to learn for all you gearheads out there, musicians that want to learn about guitars, drums, bass, uh, not just limited to one instrument. So Aaron is going to educate you on everything you needed to know. In his latest episode, he has uh, no stranger to Iron City Rocks, uh, Mr. Nick Katniss, the evil twin from Black Label Society. Uh, he joins Aaron in a great discussion all about the new Paul Reed Smith S.E. Evil Twin guitar. So be really looking forward to seeing that guitar make the shelf. So check out SignalToNoise.fm or go to the Cast Iron Ring and follow the links. We've got the Bone Hand Heavy Half Hour for those of you that just need a short fix. 30 minutes of uh, really, really intense music. Uh, pretty heavy stuff. So if, if you're looking for something real aggressive or you need something to get you through that afternoon, pop that on. Uh, and give yourself a jolt of adrenaline. Uh, Mars Attacks, my good buddy Victor over in Spain, uh, keeping it uh, multinational. In the latest episode, talks to Vinny, and I'm going to say it wrong because I can't remember if it's a piece or apice. One brother, Vinny and Carmine, pronounces it a piece, and the other says apice. I believe Vinny is a piece, which is the correct pronunciation, I believe, of the family name. But he is in a band called Kill Devil Hill. Uh, he was also in a band called Dio. And if you're really uh, out of touch, he was in uh, Black Sabbath and Heaven and Hell. So uh, Vinny, uh, a really great guest. Uh, I talked to Carmine uh, a number of years ago around King Cobra's release. Uh, really looking forward to listening to Vinny's side of the equation. And last but certainly not least, our good friends, Canada and Florida, coming together for Radioactive Metal. Uh, they're churning out interview after interview. Of They tend to lean towards the extreme metal as well. They've got Holy Grail on the latest episode. Uh, the episode prior to that, Billion Dollar Babies, kind of a new indie band out there for those of you that like that kind of shock rock zombie stuff. Uh, and I believe the episode before that, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Host finally got his dream come true and got to interview one of the Lander sisters of Kitty. So... Really a great show. I've been listening to that show, I think, for uh, probably longer than any of the other shows. So Radioactive Metal as well. So castironring.com, like it on Facebook, love it on Twitter. I always wanted to learn to play guitar, but never had the time. Then I heard about Progressions Music Studio. Progressions introduced me to an entirely new and convenient method of music instruction. They brought the music to me. The instructors from Progressions Music Studio came to my home with their knowledge and expertise, which saved me time and money. They worked around my schedule and tailored a program around my needs and skill level. Best of all, I learned to play music like a guitar king of the 1960s. We didn't spend all of our time with drills or tunes from the 1860s. Progressions Music Studio offers a lot more than guitar. In fact, they have instructors for almost all instruments. Now I can rock it out on my electric like never before. Just imagine what they can do for you or the budding musician in your family. Don't make excuses. Make music. Check them out on the web at progressionsmusicstudio.com. That's P-R-O-G-R-E-S-S-I-O-N-S, musicstudio.com. Or call 724-777-4678. 
All right, and a giant thank you to Progressions Music Studio for uh, helping make Iron City Rocks possible. Uh, Progressions uh, and Sue have been a great supporter of the show for for quite a number of months, and we would like to welcome, in addition now, to Progressions Music Studio, where you can learn how to play the guitar. Probably going to need you to get yourself a guitar, maybe a drums, maybe a bass. So where do you go? How about Guitar Center? We would like to officially welcome Guitar Center Pittsburgh as a sponsor of Iron City Rocks. Uh, Guitar Center Pittsburgh is the location that is near the Pittsburgh Airport in Robinson uh, Township. Uh, So we want to thank them for their support of the show and welcome them aboard and hopefully we'll be hearing more about them as well. So if you need to get yourself some gear and you are in the Pittsburgh area, head on out uh, the parkway, get yourself some great deals or you can go to ironcityrocks.com and go to the links uh, page and if you are going from anywhere in the country and you want to make a purchase from a guitar center uh, use the link it helps the show out uh, a little bit Uh, nothing doesn't cost you anything extra it just helps us out a little bit monetarily so we invite you to use those links so without further ado we are now going to get into an interview that Aaron did with Burton C. Bell of the band Fear Factory and as I heard once you can't be into everything so I will take this to freely admit that I am not all that knowledgeable of the band Fear Factory. Uh, I know that the guys were chomping at the bit to interview them, so when the opportunity arose to talk to them about their new album, Industrialist, both Aaron and Sean were certainly interested and keyed in to talk to them. So without further ado, let's get into the interview that Aaron did with Burden C. Bell from Fear Factory. Ladies and gentlemen, I have on the phone with me Burton C. Bell of Fear Factory, the vocals for Fear Factory. How are you doing today, Burton? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. Good, man. Hey, well, thanks for taking the time to do the interview today. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, well, I appreciate your time, and, uh, you know, Fear Factory's got a lot to talk about right now. Well, so let's get right into it. Um, I know you guys have the new album, The Industrialist, coming out on June 5th, and I was going to listen to a little bit of it last night. And it's pretty darn awesome. So why don't you tell us what's been going on lately with you guys? Well, currently we're on tour promoting our uh, upcoming release of The Industrialist coming out on June 5th. Um, Literally, we've just been in the studio right before this. Uh, We started writing this record in October of 2011. And uh, we wrote, recorded, mixed, and mastered uh, from October till March of 2012. And... uh, yeah, we pretty much had a month off and then started touring. And uh, we're right now we're on tour with Shadows Fall, and uh, it's going really well. That's awesome. Now, how long are you guys planning on being on tour for? Well, this tour ends on May 23rd, and then May 24th we fly to Europe, where we're doing the uh, European Festival Circuit, some headlining shows, and then we come back and I'll be home for a few days, and uh, the tour starts June, uh, July 3rd in Seattle, and it's, a new, it's the uh, Shockwave Tour, which is like one of those new, like, big, like, touring festival kind of things, and uh, we're headlining it, and Voivod is direct support, and um, Browning's on it, Dirge Within, Misery Index, a few other bands. Excellent, excellent. And that'll last for about, that'll last for all the way. Shockwave tour will end in like early August, and then we're going to 
we're going to continue on doing our own tour for a couple till probably the end of August. Wow, you're going to be really, really busy this summer, huh? Yeah, um, got a new record coming out, so the best way the best way to get that record out there is to promote it. And, and yeah. touring is the uh, you know, touring is my livelihood, so that's how I survive. Yeah, sure is nowadays. So, Burton, how did you first get into music? Oh man, I mean, I've been listening to music my whole life. Um, my dad, uh, you know, he. My parents always listened to music. They always had it playing while I was growing up. My daddy would listen to classical or country. And then my mom would listen to classical or show tunes. And my mom was a piano player. She was a violinist. Um, early on, I was, you know, when I was just a little boy, my mom put my brother and I in the church choir. And then elementary school, we were in the elementary school choir. And just, just kept, you know, saying, and then, in middle school, she, she got me into um, this, the middle school band when I played, you know, um, percussion, and uh, did that for a couple of years. And just, you know, I've always, I've always listened to music. It's always been a part of my life. Now, how did you make the transition from that, like the choir scene, into the the vocal style that you use with Fear Factory? You know, it's a, really it started off as a joke. Um, you know, we were Fear Factory. Seriously, Fear Factory was we we were early on in our, you know, we just early on in our writing process, and then we've been together for a few months, just writing songs. We were writing some heavy, like industrial type songs and some death metal type songs. And um, Dino, you know, Dino was playing. So I think the song was, uh, oh God, um, maybe Martyr, okay. and. Uh, they started writing, and he just started playing this part. And uh, all of a sudden, I, almost as a joke, it's like, oh, I just started singing. I just like, started singing this part, and Dino stopped. What are you doing? Well, I'm sorry. He's like, no, no, it was good. Keep doing that. He's like, he's, It was like an aha moment. Yeah. We, we came across something that no one was doing. And uh, we just worked with it and developed it and uh, worked it into more songs, into the into uh, Soul of the New Machine. And it just kind of worked out that way. Wow. Now, talking about your writing, you see you guys are writing. Most of the albums that Fear Factory has done have been concept albums. So what, what fuels the ideas for those? And has that been a conscious effort to have uh, like a series of concept albums like you guys have done, or has it just kind of happened that way? Well, Fear Factory started out as a concept. Um, as soon as we came up with the, you know, the band, we had been a band for a few months and, uh, you know, before we were gonna, before we start playing live, we needed a name, and so we had we had to come up with a name. So we brain we were brainstorming with friends and just talking, discussing, philosophizing, whatever. And the name Fear Factor came up, and like that was like, wow, that's that's a good name. And right then and there, it was like, well, what is what is a Fear Factory deal? We it started coming up with like images and just like philosophy, and just it started promoting discussion, and you know we've. As soon as we came up, a, we came up with a philosophy for Fear Factory, and that made it a concept. And after that, everything after that was a concept. So Fear Factory is a concept. Wow. So, um, and you know, being that Dino and I have always been inspired by you know um, soundtracks and 
these you know movies, sci-fi movies or sci-fi horror films. You know, it's it's the music in the background that really promoted the imagery, and so we've always felt that our music is to a soundtrack is is a soundtrack to a movie that's never been made, and so that's the way we always think. And me writing stories um, to go along with it, like almost like a movie script, um, just kind of helps develop that thought process even further for the fan. Um, it's challenging for the band. And it also makes it makes the band stand out even more in a, in a genre that's so saturated. Yeah, and I have to agree. You guys really, really stand out just because your sound is so it's so biting. I mean, like what I was thinking about this last night. Like you guys, the way you sound is like the audio version of an H.R. Giger painting. You know, like, like the the alien kind of stuff. That's cool. That's you cool. Know? You 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 invoke that biomechanical sort of imagery every time I, I sit down and listen listen to you guys. Well, and that's good because that's that is something that we are inspired and influenced by. Um, Alien, Blade Runner, um, you know, just that the the Terminator vibe, the machine biomechanical, the machine industrial uh, aspect of our world, of our society, and how it relates to society. That's that's what we've always been about. Now, speaking of the industrial side of it, like you guys have a very industrial sound, but yet you still kept a real metal sound. You're you're heavier than probably any other industrial, you know, stylized band that's out there. How do you guys pull yeah. that off live? Like, do you guys play to a click track live? Because I mean, I've seen you live, but only once. But um, you're the tightest band I've seen. Um, you know, outside the Scorpions, I've never seen a band tighter than you guys. Yeah, you know. We do play to a click track. Um, the fact that we rehearse um, incessantly when we're off the road uh, really promotes the, the precision of the band. Um, but we do play to a click track. All of the backing, like sound effects, the sounds, the, the soundscapes, the ambient sounds, um, just the bells and whistles, so to speak, are you know we play them from an iPad actually and uh, the click track is coming from that and wow. the drummer is playing to a click track and he's very precise and so it just makes you know if you want you know to me industrial music is not about fashion it's about precision it's about the mechanical nature of of the assembly line about the mechanical sounds that the assembly line creates and it's very repetitive right. and there is there is a a a meter there of time and that's what fear factory that's what we want to be we want to be that meter of time that is exact like a machine all right so let's back up here a little bit because you're saying now that you're playing to an ipad what did you guys used to play to because i mean you know 10 years ago we didn't have an ipad no um we used to have a keyboard player okay <laughs> and, and the keyboard and, uh, player would trigger trigger like the click and all the samples well, we there we wouldn't even play to a click track. Okay. Um, it was more of a live thing, and the, it was um, you know the keyboard player would have to you know whatever tempo the drummer was playing to in his, in his own head, we all had to play to. Wow. <laughs> and so songs were like super fast then. It was like the live aspect was just like it was almost too fast. It was like wow, you know, I'd be yeah. losing my breath constantly. <laughs> but um, you know, it was already difficult to begin with, but um. You know, once we play to a click track, 
you know, there was no need for a keyboard player. You know, you know, technology has developed to a point where we can, uh, you know, utilize the technology to our benefit. That's awesome. That is awesome. And unfortunately, and unfortunately, the keyboard player lost the war against the machine. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like, are the samples in the iPad, you know, are they going to trigger at a certain point in the click track, or, or are those still triggered live? Like, you walk over and hit it, or is your drummer hit it, or Dino, or something like that? Uh, the drummer, the drummer uh, Mike Heller, he, uh, he activates it. Okay, that's cool. Isn't that cool? Now, like, you guys are a band who early on embraced remixes, like, like no other band. Um, and yep. it was great because it was, it was still a Fear Factory record, but it was, it, it was, I mean, I don't even know how to put it into words. Like, I, I sat down and was listening yeah. to Fear's the Mind Killer Today and Remanufacturer. And, um, I just, it, it just blows my mind. So why, what led you guys to do those remixes and like, how, how did you approach that? Well, we always, you know, Dino and I, you know, we were, we were a fan of that, that style of music to begin with, and that's what, you know, that was that's what inspired to bring the element into our music because that's we were fans of that style of music, the heavy industrial remixes, just the dark tones, just the you know the repetitive nature of a remix. And uh, when when we were able to do it, you know, we were. Luckily, we came across. We were introduced to Frontman Assembly, who was, which was Reese Fulber and Bill Lieb, and um, basically, a remix is an interpretation of your music. Um, a, a like-minded artist that you respect takes your music and takes it even further, interprets it into a different version uh, of what they would do, and that's what so that's what uh, Fears the Mind Killer was. That's what Remanufacture was, interpretations. And that's it's a respectful way of you know having a different artist take your music and and wow this is what they hear and that's to me that's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and it was funny like how even though it was essentially the, the same material uh, from previous released albums, they were still completely their own works of art in their own right. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's you know it was a, t- a different a different addition or an addendum to, you know, the previous recording. Yeah. And, and just, and again, like I said, it just blows my mind. Now you had mentioned uh-huh. Reese, Reese Fulber. Um, didn't yeah. he also produce the industrialist as well? Like yeah. Reese expected? Fulber has been, absolutely he co-produced it with Dino and I, and, um, pretty much, um, Reese has, has been a, the silent member of Fear Factory ever since Fear is the Mind Killer. He's the one producer, the one um, artist that has really understood Fear Factory and really been with us since the beginning and understands what the music requires. And he knows Dino, you know, he's also a good friend. And so he understands how to work with Dino. He understands how to work with me. Um, We we have a great rapport with Reese Fulbert. And, um, so when it was just it was just me, Dino and Reese in the studio for the Industrialist. Um, a lot of times, Dino was at Logan Mater's studio um, with the uh, drum programmer um, John Sankey, and they were working together, programming the drums, getting them proper, getting all the sounds done, and 
you know, making sure it was all correct, and you know, it was recording the guitars. And when they had pieces done, I would take them to Reese's studio, and Reese and I would work on parts of the songs, and we would really focus on basically hooks, vocal hooks. Okay. Um, but I would just, you know, it would be what is really a creative spark of the moment. And I'd listen, listen to the song and listen to parts. And it's like whatever would come out, it's like that initial spark is what the songs require because what you hear on the record is pretty much what we was pretty much what the first creative spark was that came out. And we developed it, and uh, we didn't spend too much time on it because when you spend too much time on something, then it becomes a little bit convoluted. You lose, you lose that spark. The spark dulls and just you know doesn't doesn't even smolder anymore. So all the vocal parts and on this record are really the, the instant creative spark of what we had developed. It's like, wow, let's go out and run with it. That's killer. Oh, that's awesome. And actually, like, I, I think this album has really shown. Fear Factory's growth as a band, as well as your maturity as a vocalist. Um, you know, you're, you're still doing, doing I guess, the Fear Factory sound where you blend um, a singing voice with, with the, the more guttural growling kind of voice. But I think you've really matured to where you very really articulate the growls and move so smoothly into, into the singing voices now. Yeah, and um, that's just come, that's, I think it's part of um, maturity of of uh, uh, maturity, understanding the production, understanding the machine that is Fear Factory, and what each part requires. Not every part requires a, a, a melodic part, you know. Um, for me, if a melodic part, if I felt a melodic part, it was going to come out. But if it's, you can't force a melodic part to come out. Yes. And in a lot of music today, I hear very, I hear forced melodies, and it just doesn't sound right. If it, if it doesn't require a melody, it doesn't need one. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. But, it, but when I hear it in my head, it's going to come out, and that's I, I'm we develop it and make it work, and you know it'll be part of the song. It's there. It, and it makes it more organic that way too. Like it, it sounds very natural, even as mechanical as the music behind it is. You know. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, but that's the thing. You know, we've been doing this for so long that it isn't. It is natural for us to do this, and and the vocals are natural. And to me, I, you know, we all know what our parts are, and we know what each part requires, and what we are required to do. All right, so let's talk about the story behind the industrials, because we said every Fear Factory um, you know, record has a story behind it. So what's what's the story that the fans are going to get with this record? Well. Um, like the concept of Fear Factory is man versus machine, and uh, it's a futuristic tale um, set in some type of dystopian, you know, futuristic dystopian society. And um, but this time, the tale of war, you know, man versus machine, is from perspective of the machine. The industrialist is an automaton, and this 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 automaton is, has become sentient. It has d- discovered the will to survive. And through this will is teaching others of its own kind uh, how to survive, how to fight the, fight the man, 
how to f- and to take out its manufacturing and take it, take out its manufacturing um, uh, establishments and taking taking out the proper hum- the proper human being, not just any human being, but the right human being. And they're all basically the industrialists is ser- searching for the creator. Wow. So what are the chances of, of the fans here, uh, like myself, um, ever getting a Fear Factory graphic novel? Because I could really see you guys doing a graphic novel to complement every album that you've done. Oh, you know, it's something that we're discussing, trying to work out on this record, you know, because there's a story. There is a story. There's going to be a special edition released in the United States where I wrote the story um, that that a fan, you know, the per- person who buys it can read through, oh, yeah. um, all the way through, uh, describing each song, setting up each scene of basically each song is a scene, and uh, the lyric, the I write a scene, setting up the lyrics, and it bleeds into the lyrics, and uh, so there is, you know, if there is someone you know out there who wants to help us do this. I, we are already researching artists to develop this um, graphic novel that could be done because it could be cool. Um, the the normal edition will not have the story; they'll just have the lyrics. And then uh, when the special edition is out of print, then we're going to put the story on the Fear Factory website. Oh, excellent! Now, is the special edition going to launch at the same time the? Um the, the normal edition launches, are they going to launch simultaneously or is it going to be a delayed release? No, simultaneously. Excellent, excellent. I know what I'll be looking for then. Well, hey, Burden, Absolutely. I can't thank you enough. Um, can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. And uh, don't worry to take up any more of your time, so we're going to let you get back to the tour. Well, thank you, Aaron. I appreciate your time. And uh, like I, I'd like to also mention that there's we are currently there's a video being made for the song New Messiah on the new record. And this one's going to be cool because this is the first time that we're, this is a video that will not have a band performance in it. It's actually going to be like a short feature film. Oh, I can't wait to check that out. Yeah, and it's, it's, from what I've seen already, it's going to be sick. And uh, I'm very, I can't wait to see it myself. And... Uh, like it comes out June 5th, The Industrialist. All right, and that about wraps things up. A big thanks to Burton C. Bell and also David Ellison for joining us on the show. Again, uh, you can check Megadeth. They'll be out on the road, uh, I would imagine, for most of the remainder of 2012. Uh, they'll be going overseas, doing some shows in the United States. If you're listening to this in time, they'll be playing at Rock in the Range, I believe, which is the last date with Rob Zombie. So check that out. I believe that's coming up this weekend. Fear Factory, the new album, The Industrialist, comes out very, very soon. Um, I have to say it's one of the coolest covers I've seen on an album. They always do pretty cool artwork uh, on their covers. You know, it's simple, you know, just kind of their logo, but they're always interesting to look at. The Industrialist is certainly right there. So I would invite you to check that out as well if you're a fan of Fear Factory. So without further ado... We are going to be signing off. You can join us at uh, facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks or go to ironcityrocks.com, twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks. You can email us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We would appreciate any feedback on iTunes you can give us. And also, if you're in the iTunes store, check out Cast Iron Ring. We've got a mobile app. You can listen to all the shows we mentioned in the Ring Report. So until next time, we thank you for listening.